Hail, heroes! Welcome to episode two of Realms and Nerds. I've just got a few things before we begin. First off, I'd like to apologize for the inconsistency in the audio quality of this episode compared to the previous ones. Uh, we were trying a different microphone in this session, which ended up obviously not working out as well as the one we've been using. Uh, but unfortunately, we didn't have the other microphone recording, so we had to go with the recording we did have. I apologize again for the difference in sound, and I promise that we'll be returning to the original microphone again until we find a better microphone setup. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe and turn on notifications to be the first to know when new episodes are released. Also, if whatever podcast service you use includes a way to leave a review, we'd appreciate if you leave us one. Let us know what you think of the show. Also, be sure to share the show with your friends, as it's one of the best ways to grow our listener base. We're on social media, on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr. Uh, also, be sure to include the hashtag RealmsNerds in your social media posts about the show. Uh, that's all one word, RealmsNerds. Thank you once again to our friend Kyle for composing our main introductory theme. We really appreciate you. Thank you, listener, for listening to our podcast. We really appreciate you. Uh, now let's return to the realm of the return of Ornon. Previously on Realms and Nerds, The Return of Ornon. In a burrow near the town of Wolfshold, the explorers that exited told a terrible tale. They had unleashed the Lich of Ornon. He carried in his possession a silver dagger. The Dark Elves of old were able to use silver to channel magical energy. We think that right before he was vanquished, Ornon poured his life energy into several silver objects, which then allowed him to survive all of these years and now return as a lich. We have learned of a man deep in a wasteland of the Garden of Stone. This man is said to wield a silver ring. We believe that this ring may be one of the silver pieces that Ornan poured his life spirit into. Tomorrow, meet me in the castle to begin your quest. basic lay of what's going on. Captain Artemis takes his leave and leaves you all in the inn by yourselves. So, what are you guys going to do with the rest of your night? Are you turning in early, or what's going on? Well, uh, at this point, Sebo's pretty much done with his day. She's probably going to go back. He's also very drunk. <laughs> She's going she's gonna to take a rest for the night. Yeah, I think I'm going to call it a night. Joan is going to go back to the bar, get another drink or two, sit there just looking over the two toy soldiers he's got silently and somberly, and then he'll turn in for the night. Mikhail goes hunting creatures in the night. Okay. No sleep for that, boy. (laughs) (laughs) Ain't no rest for the wicked. About two hours before dawn, he comes back and meditates. So does Mikhail not need to sleep? Uh, that That is true. Elves don't actually have to sleep. They have to have a trance for four hours. I mean, four hours of yeah. sleep. Okay, well, so he comes back four hours before dawn. He also didn't lose any hit points, mm-hmm. though, so he's fine. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't matter. Anyway, how much gold did I happen to walk away with last night? Let's say you walked away with, like, 100 gold from that. So, anyways, you guys uh, arrive at the castle and are shown in through the gates up into an office area that's up kind of on the third floor of the West Wing. This is kind of more of the administrative side of the castle, so there is not as much sort of pomp and showy, flashy things. This is like where the barracks for the guard is, and their strategy rooms, and things like that. So this is a much more utilitarian look than kind of the front door. Uh, So when you get in there, you meet with Captain Artemis for a moment, who sends you down to the sub level, actually. You go down about two levels down into the basement, and that's where they have a big forge running. 
And so there's just this clang of metal and all kinds of work being done on various instruments of war, shields, swords, armor, all of that kind of stuff. Not really running at full capacity, because obviously they are not actively in a war, but you can tell that this place kind of runs full time in the sort of upkeep of the guard. And so you meet with one of the smiths who offers to outfit all of you with an armor piece of your choosing. So there's sort of a a trade-off to this. You can take this armor piece and use it and it'll help you out with your stats or whatever. However, all of the armor that is shown to you bears the crest of the Golden Guard. So the downside to this is, if you run into anyone that is opposed to the Golden Guard, they will automatically be opposed to you because of the armor that you're wearing. Is all the armor metal, or can you not, do leather armor as well? Not, not all metal. I'm sure they could outfit you with something else if that's what you it want. It his skin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Sibo actually is wondering if he could get one of those nifty cloaks, because he likes to scurry around. <laughs> And uh, he honestly doesn't mind uh, bearing the crest of the Golden Guard because the people that he would like to like him most are <laughs> pretty tight with the Golden Guard. So we're talking about like one of the cloaks that Captain Artemis is wearing. Well, I mean, it doesn't have to. It's just you know. No, he's talking about a metal cloak, you know. <laughs> or a metal. Oh yeah, something. Excuse me, trying you know, to stealth around, maybe with a little bit of a uh, little bit of shimmer and take away from his stealth, probably. Mm-hmm. And stealth, speed and stealth. You'd be fucked for stealth. What? If, if you're you wear wearing armor. any kind of armor. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so Sibo so wants a cloak. I think that what, what happens is the smith can't really answer that question. So he sends you to a different part of this work area where they have the tailors, and you talk to them, and they're kind of opposed to giving you a full captain's cloak because they know full well that you're a thief and they don't really <laughs> want you wearing that kind of thing. But they decide to compromise so what they make you is... A bathrobe. <laughs> <laughs> that would be pretty great. <laughs> but no. It's black leather. <laughs> Out of the uh, black material that they use to make the outward side of the cloaks, they fashion you a sort of like a hood and then kind of a, almost like a short cloak that kind of comes down around your shoulders. A poncho? <laughs> yeah, kind of like a poncho. Like, Poncho's back! Little then, Red Riding Hood kind of deal, the, uh, black. At the neck, where the hood kind of comes around, there's a clasp that is golden and bears the seal of the Golden Guard. So you're going to look like the hobbits in The Lord of the Rings. <laughs> does, it, does it hide him from enemies' eyes? Yeah, he turned to a light. I mean, if, if it's up. night out and he's like turned away, probably. Well, I'm a master black. of disguise, so. What I will do if you are wearing the cloak at night, I will give you advantage on any stealth roll. Now, I have a question. Dur- during the daytime, it won't hinder you in any way, but it's not going to help you either. If I were to get leather armor for them, would it be better than le- leather armor I'm currently wearing? Or is it just about the same stats? That's what I'm curious about. Are we talking heavy, light, or medium? For the leather armor? Uh, you could do padded, leather, or studded leather. What's we're the stat differences on all that stuff? There's padded this... is 11, so is leather. The studded leather is 12. Oh, wow, yeah, look at that. Okay. You uh, could also, do you want to do hide? Because that would be 12. Hide's basically the same thing, just medium armor. Okay, um... Sure, why the hell? I'll take a hide piece of armor. Okay. And I'll up my AC and it'll be nice. So, yeah, so again, I do I do just want to, like, hammer home. As we go through this, any interactions that you guys have wearing the Golden Guard crest is going to, whatever faction that group belongs to, is going to influence them. Can I get plate armor? I'll let you take the plate. Follow-up question, can I turn around and sell it? <laughs> if you want to... So after you all meet with the outfitters, then you go back up and talk to Captain Artemis, and he gives you a map to head towards the Garden of Stone, which is, as you remember, where this uh, magician is said to be hiding out. And so to get to the Garden of Stone, you're going to have to advance north through the White Timber Forest, 
and then get to the Garden of Stone, which is on the southern edge of the eastern wasteland. Do you guys have any questions for Captain Artemis, or... Should we expect anything unexpected on the way to there, particularly in the uh, White Timber Forest? My scouts frequently roam through the southern edge of the White Timber Forest, but as you move farther north, you may encounter many creatures of a less amicable nature. Also, we are not sure if our enemy has caught wind of this plan. They may send scouts or assassins to try and kill you. All right, let's get to it. I'm ready to go. So, you guys uh, are now leaving the keep. Is there anything else you would like to do in Beacon? I know somebody wants to sell their armor at full price. He doesn't barter. Well, he would barter in the event of uh, at the smiths to get a weapon. Well, so here's, uh, here's what I think. So you take the armor down into the marketplace area, and after shopping around at a couple of places, you find out that there aren't a lot of people that want to buy armor with a Golden Guard crest on it full price just because it's sort of this idea that, like, if somebody who's not in the Golden Guard has Golden Guard armor, it's kind of going to be suspicious for them. But after a little bit of shopping around, you get to a little bit more of a uh, seedier part of town. You find a smith there who is willing to offer you half price on it, but he says that he will also give you half price on any weapon you want to buy from him. Consider that a brokered deal. Alright, so that gives you, what is that, 1500 for that armor? 750 if I'm selling it at So half. yeah, so you 750 for half price. So, Mikhail buys four spears, a whip, and two short swords. Can you carry all yeah, this? Yeah, that's what I was wondering. I was like, how's this elf boy going to carry all this? Because that well, was kind of... I was a... counting on the spears being wrapped. Okay, so you're basically like going to carry the spears on your back. Mm-hmm. Short sword's kind of down on his thighs. Okay. The rapier kind of hangs at his waist, and the hammer's on the other side. And a whip. And then a whip. And then... Clank, 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 clank. Yeah, basically... There goes your stealth. Stealth disadvantage all around there. <laughs> yeah, if you're carrying that much stuff, I'm definitely going to give you stealth disadvantage. All right, so maybe not the spears, but he does get two short swords in the whip. So you're not buying the spears? Well, I wanted something I could throw, but I have the hammer, so... Uh, I just get the whip and two short swords. Oh, yeah. Going Indiana Jones on us. Hey, the short swords are over his back and crossed. How much is all, all that going to cost you? 11 gold. You said they were at half price, right? Well, for one item, not for every item you want to buy. <laughs> okay, then, uh, that would be 17 gold. Wow, weapons in this world are cheap as fuck. Yeah, I'm, that's what I was just saying. <laughs> yeah, you have no idea. Alright, so nobody else has anything they want to do? No. Well, I do after we get out of the city. Okay. So, we are now leaving the city of Beacon, heading north towards the White Timber Forest. So, uh, as we get closer to the forest, Sivo actually does a special whistle, and his black fox, Oxel, comes to him, because, uh, he just has a little beast that kind of follows him around. Yeah, you wanna, companion. you wanna explain this companion thing? Yeah, I mean, Welcome myself. to Pokemon in Dungeons & Dragons. <laughs> so, uh, Sivo, being a woodland gnome is able to speak with small beasts, and so he has this black fox that follows him around and is kind of just a companion that he uses sometimes to do scouting for him, because foxes are also quite nimbly-footed, like himself. And yet I have a higher speed than you do. Go, boy, just scout ahead! You and your scout. Hour later, has it come back? Where'd he go? Comes <laughs> up ahead. Oh, he got killed. I guess it was dangerous. <laughs> 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 I can't wait for that. That'll Oxel be my favorite. also had been in the thiefing business for a while. Fox just picks your own purse and runs off. He's got a new mask or something. Yeah, he's the he's the actual better thief. You suddenly are at zero gold because your fox ran away with all of it and buried it in the ground. Actually, why did you need your fox? You're just pulling him out just because... Well, cause... I decided... You know, <laughs> he pulls out his pocket. Kind of, I had yet to introduce that. Oh, okay. To so we have a little... You know, so he pulls his fox out of his down. pocket. What's his name again? Oxen? Oxel. 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 How do you spell that? O-X-I-L-E. <laughs> Wait, there's an E at the end with an I before the E? Well, that make it? That was O-X-E-L. I-L-E. I-L. Yeah, no, but like I thought it was E-L, but it's apparently I-L-E. Okay. 
I want to kill something. Let's Man, go. We're so good at this whole progressing. <laughs> we keep <laughs> making comments. Yeah, we've left the city. That's something, I suppose. <laughs> and here I was concerned that I didn't prepare enough engagement. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> So, you all have left the city of Beacon, and after a relatively short walk, you left the city, after all of that, we'll say you left around noon or so. You've reached the edge of the forest, it's about two or three in the afternoon, and this is, as you sort of enter the forest, it is a fairly normal forest, you know, we're just, you know, a general kind of, there's trees, there's a little bit of underbrush. There's even, as you first start out, there's a little bit of a trail, because like Captain Artemis said before, he has patrols and scouts that go through this southern edge of the forest quite frequently, so there's kind of some established sort of footpaths that go through the area. As you advance a little bit farther north, however, there is kind of all that sort of falls away. And as it does, the foliage gets a little bit thicker. As you keep walking, uh, it's about 6 o'clock or so, and the sun is starting to go down. So it's going to be probably unwise to continue walking through a forest at night. So what would you guys like to do? I would like to progress. I can see perfectly fine in the dark. Mm, Not perfectly. Fine. You can see really well. I can as well. He's confident. <laughs> yeah, I also have dark vision, so... I'm the only one without, but I have a cantrip called Produce Flame, where I just hold a flame in my hands I for ten minutes. Yeah, and I can just keep recasting it, because it's a cantrip, so... So are you guys going to camp for the night, or you guys just want to keep walking? I'm, I'm kind of okay with keeping walking. Keep going? I don't like the idea of sitting still in the dark in the woods. Especially when we have such a pressing issue. I'm gonna set up camp. No. <laughs> <laughs> Why? You're on your own, bud. Jones fine to keep going if everyone else is. Okay, so you're walking along. The ghost pops out. <laughs> <laughs> yes, pops out. So, Ramash, are you? Do you have this flame in your hand right now, or are you just kind of following your companions and kind of letting them lead you? Yeah, sure. I'll ha- I'll just cast produce flame as we're walking. Just hold this flame in my hands. So you've got this flame in your hand as you walk along. Everybody else has a dark vision, so they don't really need that. Jones going to fall back a little bit behind the rest of them. Just okay. just enough that he's not like quite right where this beacon of light is. <laughs> okay. So you guys are walking along. You've been walking along for some time now. It's about uh, 11 o'clock at night, and it is completely dark out. And because of the canopy of trees above, there is not even really much moonlight getting in. It is dark in this forest. And so, as you are advancing, you suddenly hear a noise, kind of like... It's hard to pin exactly what this noise sounds like, but it's all—it's like a scream. I'm going to make sure my shield is in my left hand. Like, after and then... Like a a humanoid kind of scream, or Wilhelm like an scream. animal? <laughs> you, you <can laughs> the Wilhelm scream is what we hear. <laughs> You, you can't you can't really tell. It's just kind of a... It's enough to make you stop. It's a ghost. Sort of. You hear it again, definitely a higher voice of a woman just screaming, and you can hear this voice off in the distance going, Help! Help! And then the voice gets closer and closer. Joan readies his gun. And then sort of stumbling into Ramash's circle of light is this short figure in a robe. Oh, thank goodness! You have to help me! They're right behind me! What is... I look. I look at the direction that I, she came. I cast I divine sense. I, have dark I don't know. Visibly. I don't know what it is. You cast divine sense immediately. Immediately. Mm-hmm. What does divine sense do? It I'm, detects evil. Detects evil. Whether it's celestial fiend or undead within sixty feet. Okay. So basically, any bad people. Yes, bad people. Essentially. Okay. I detect villainy. So you cast your divine sense. Divine sense. You're kind of getting it off of this person that's just stumbled in. They stink. Yeah. They stink of evil. I unsheath my rapier, and I make sure my shield is at the ready. Okay. Seeing this, I'm basically going to ready myself, too, but I'm holding my produce flame in my hand like this, because I can throw it as an attack. As you do so, this creature lifts its head up, and you see, coming out of this cloaked hood that it's wearing, a long beak is protruding. And it is going to jump towards Sibo, and as it does so, it actually is going to produce a short sword out of the sleeve of its robe and try to take a swipe at him. No AC, no nothing. So, man, this... Into it. I was smart for kind of staying back a bit. <laughs> Holy cow. How much further behind us are you? Uh, probably... Let me see. 
So are we walking in a line? Yeah, I'm back like 15 feet <laughs> from you guys. Sorry, I meant I pull out my whip, not my rapier. Now watch me whip, now watch me nay-nay. So, 18 versus AC. Wow. Yeah, that, yeah. So, that so that's going to hit. So that is... Seven points of damage. <laughs> oh my god. With this sword. So he Bye! <laughs> That's piercing damage, right? Yeah. So he catches you with this sword, and you are surprised by this attack. He, he hits you hard. Joan, I need you to do a dexterity saving throw. D- okay. Critical fail. Out of the tree right behind you, a second road figure jumps down and lands on top of you. Does it also have a beak? Yes. Okay. And he's going to be 12 against AC. Oh, I'm sorry, friend, but you can't (laughs) touch me. Okay. So he, uh, he does not hit you. He's not able to hit you with his sword, but he does knock you down. So, considering I did cast Divine Sense, you. did I sense other creatures? Yeah, as you do your sense, obviously you sense the one right in front of you and the one that just jumped on Joan, but you don't sense anybody else around right now. So now we're going to do initiative rollios. Don't forget to add your initiative modifier, by the way. That was the thing that happened to me. <laughs> 24. 23. 23. 18. 23, 24. So we have... 23, 18. We actually actually... Wait, wait. Darn! If you had a 19, that would have been great. 23-19. We have a 23-19. I'm going to have uh, Mikael go first in the order. Makes sense to me. I'm on the ground, and he knows where both of them are before on, they get attacked. Because you're on the ground, and because he already cast his spell to know where they were, so yep. we give him the advantage. I'm on totally that. fine with it. It makes total sense to me. So, first up in the order here is Sibo. You just had a... Oh, and I guess I should have said this for Mikhail, because you, you know what the creatures are when they attack. You know, the other the other people have not realized this yet, just because there's all this confusion of, you know, night, and it's a surprise attack or whatever, but because of your spell that you cast, you know that these are Kenku. They're a race of humanoid sort of bird people. Are they flightless? flightless they are, yes. So they're like kiwi people. They <laughs> they used to be able to fly, but long ago that ability was taken from them. So they still kind of have sort of the, I mean, they have a beak and they have some feathers, but it's sort of vestigial at this point. So Sibo is the first up in the order here. All right. So Sibo is going to draw his two daggers and is going to be attacking the, whatever they're called. Kenku. The Kenku. That's uh, directly in front of him. Uh, and then he's also going to try and make a sneak attack with a dagger after the first two. And I have to roll for that one, too. Okay, so the first is uh, nine. Not going to hit. Twenty-three. Yeah, I was going to do it. And I'll roll for the third dagger hit, too. And this one's going to be twenty-four. That'll hit as well. Okay. So, seven, piercing with the first dagger. And six piercing with the second dagger hit. So you are left reeling by this first attack where he cut you across the chest with this sword. But as you kind of recover your footing and draw your weapons, you step forward and just plunge both of them into the chest of this Kenyu, and he just drops to the ground. Sweet. Yes. Uh, And then Mikael is up next. So you said you're about 15 feet? Yep. I move around towards the side of you, and since I have my whip at the ready, I am going to whip this Kenku on top of you. 13. Okay, does Ty go to defender or attacker? Ty goes to defender. Okay, so that is not going to hit then. Okay. So we know what we got to be. So it, it it cracks in the air just past him. Next up is Joan. So you can either attack him from your position on the ground, mm-hmm. and I'll give you disadvantage on the roll because he's on top of you, mm-hmm. or you can try to do a strength check against him and push him off of you, at which point then you could try to get up and do an attack against him. I'm going to do the strength check. Okay. Eleven. You, like, barely are able to move, but you're able to move him just enough that you can kind of roll backwards and get up off the ground. So then I'm going to take both of my daggers and attempt to plunge them into his chest. Okay. 24. Yeah, that'll hit. Okay. 7. Okay. And then with the second one, 
16. Yeah, you are definitely going to hit him there. Okay, and then that deals one damage. Both of the daggers connect, and he staggers back from the attack and is looking not well off. So next up is Ramash. I'm going to chuck my flame in my hands at him. So are you moving, or are you just throwing it from where you are? Right I'm just now? throwing it from where I'm standing. Okay. has a range of 30 feet. That's a 14. Okay, that is going to connect. Okay. And it does six fire damage. That hits him and sets his cloak ablaze, and he just runs screaming for a couple of feet and then falls to the ground. (laughs) Are we done fooling around? And then from behind you, Ramash, you hear Sibo say, I have a little help over here! And, Mikhail, your enemy sense kind of goes crazy. And then a arrow from a shortbow is loosed directly towards Ramash. Ten versus AC. Nope, not going to do it. It goes over the top of your head, but then you all sort of turn, and all you can see is just this hidden forested area. You sensed the presence initially at about 15 to 20 feet behind where Sibo is now, but after the arrow was loosed, you can no longer sense where this enemy is. Mm, he's hiding. Now, Sibo's uh, up in the order. He's going to move behind a tree and climb the tree. Okay. So that he's in the treetops now. Do you make a strength check for that? Uh, yeah, I'll go throw a- my Athletics or check. acrobatics? 13 plus, what are we doing? Athletics. 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 Uh, 16. Yeah, I think that's enough. You get up into the tree. That takes my, my movement. Right? Yeah, that's. Your, I mean, that's your movement. And then, now that I'm in the trees, could I use my vision to try and spot this adversary? Yeah, go ahead and uh, do a perception check. Critical fail. Yeah, there's trees. <laughs> you can see blood. You can that see the all you can see is zero blood <laughs> pouring out of your body. <laughs> Yeah, there's trees, and yeah, you can also see that you're very beat up. <laughs> nothing other than that. So, Mikhail, what are you going to do here? If I can no longer sense it, I'm going to stand and look around. Okay. I am going to move towards where I last sensed it, and at random, try to whip at the bushes. You're, so you're just going to, like, whip at a bush, right? Basically. Where I last sensed. Okay. Yeah, go ahead and... That's a seven. Yeah, I mean, you you whip at the bush, and it gets whipped, but there's nothing back there. <laughs> Just whip it. Yeah, nice. give it a good whipping. Joan, you are up next. What are you doing here? I'm going to make a perception check to try and see if I can figure out where this guy is. Okay. Nine. Yeah, you uh, you look around, and you don't see anybody moving. You know what? I'm going to cast Firebolt at one of the bushes over in that general direction. That way, worst case scenario, I could possibly like light a bush on fire, make it a bit brighter out here. Okay. Am I only using the uh, re- the revolver attack bonus if I'm shooting just regular bullets? And if I'm cast, if I'm so, shooting right? with a sp- the and I'm shooting with a spell, I'm using the spell casting bonus. Yeah. Okay, then that's going to be a twenty. Yeah, you light a bush on fire. Okay. Can well, we at least cool. see in that direction? Dude's now. not there. And okay. yeah, there's a little bit more light over in that area. Okay. But- All right. So it didn't hit him, but at least we can see a little bit better over there. Uh, Ramash, you're up. I'm gonna move. 20 feet in the direction the arrow came from, and um, do a perception check after that. Okay. That's a 10. Yeah, uh, you don't really see anything... You see a bush on fire. ...in that area. (laughs) Ramash, I need you to do a perception check for me. Okay. It's 10 again. Another arrow flies just past you. Whizzes off into the darkness, but you cannot tell where it came from. Uh, so Sibo is up next. So Sibo's in tree tops, and he's gonna take his full speed of 25 feet, and <laughs> he's gonna move up in the treetops well. and then do another perception check. Yeah, I think in your sort of weakened state, you're able to jump to the next tree over from yours, but you're kind of out on the edge of the branch, sort of perch. You're not able to make it, like, into the sort of center near the trunk of the tree. Okay, could I um, roll a perception check now? Yeah, go ahead. 24. You see, sort of down below where you are in the underbrush, you see some rustling. Not directly below you, but pretty close to the tree that you're currently in. Hey! Over here! 
So you over just, here, where? Yeah, hope I don't get shot. Yeah, actually, this guy, this Kenku, is actually going to take a uh, an opportunity strike so at Kenku. you. Twenty I mean, versus AC. I understand. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> he falls from the tree dead. So five piercing damage. So bye. So he falls <laughs> dead. That's cool. So yeah, you are you are hit with an arrow and you fall from the tree and land on the ground. You are close. Well, you guys to death. definitely know where I am now. Gnome down. <laughs> I and, uh, next up <laughs> is Mikhail. Uh, how close am I to Sibo? Because the treetops, he was in the treetops, was he directly over this assassin? He said it was close so, to the assassin. Yeah, not on top of, but he was close to the assassin. You're probably about 30 feet away from where Sibo fell out of the tree. And from the way Sibo was pointing and sort of gesturing, it appears that the assassin was closer to you than where Sibo was when he fell. Okay. Based on the situation, I'm going to go after the assassin. If I do a perception check, does that interfere with any attack? No, No, because I did one in my last turn. Thirteen. Go ahead and roll again for me. I'm going to give you advantage because he just attacked. Twenty-one. So yeah, you uh, you can see his head kind of ducked down into the foliage as he had just loosed this shot. So you have a good idea of where he's at right now. All right, putting the whip back on my belt and pulling out my little hammer. I'm going to throw it directly at him. All right, go ahead and roll. That was an eight. An eight. That is not going to connect. So your hammer goes. (laughs) Flying past the area and down into the uh, forest. So, uh, are you moving, or are you just... Um, He's so I'm going to move can't towards Sibo. Okay. They'll die as together. As close as I can get. All right. 30 feet away. Jones so up next. Moment. Due to him pointing it out and him trying to attack, do I have an even better idea where he is, or do I just have kind of like a vague idea where the dude is? He, when uh, Mikael saw him, he mm-hmm. was just, like, starting to duck his head into the cover. So when he missed... You now know the area that he's in, but you don't. You can't see him anymore. So I'm going to do a perception check to see if I can see him. Okay. 16. You can see sort of some movement in the underbrush as he's sort of hastily trying to get out of the way. Do I see which attack? Do I see which way that he is like moving towards? Yeah, like the you, can, you can kind of see the okay. movement here. I would like to cast magic missile. I get. Three glowing darts of magical force, and I'd like to have him kind of like go in the direction that he's headed. Okay. Yeah, leading him. Okay, yeah, go ahead. 19. Yeah, that hits. Okay. Do you have to roll for each missile, or do you just fire, do roll for There's one? There's all strikes simultaneously. You can direct them at one creature or several. Right, so are you firing all three at the same area, or are you spacing them out trying to sort of hit this guy as he's running? Yeah, I kind of like was spreading them to okay. try and get him. So we'll say the first the first one's going to hit. So okay, so roll, only one of them hits. Roll for uh, the other two, then. Okay, so I have to roll individually for each of them? Yeah, because you're spreading okay. them out. Okay, so the first one hits, and then... 14. That one's also going to be a hit. And then uh, 22. That also is going to be a hit. Okay. And each one of these is 1d4 (laughs) plus 1, 5, 4, and 3. That was what? 12 damage. 12 damage on. Okay, so because you can't actually see him, you're just firing at where he's going. You do hit him, but I th- I gave him a um, dexterity check there. Okay. So, saving throw? Yeah, saving throw. So he takes um, half damage from your attack. Okay. So you hear, you hear kind of a, a yelp come from behind the uh, bushes, but then kind of more scurrying as he moves off into the forest. Sort of away from Mikael and Ramash. So, next up is Ramash. Um, can I see him at all, or do I have a general idea where he's at after that? Yeah, after he fired at him, you kind of know, because because he connected and you heard him yell, you know where he's moving to, but you don't physically see him. Right okay, now. I'm going to cast our cantrip, Thorn Whip. Okay. Um, has a range of 30 feet. Uh, that's a 22. Okay, yeah, that connects. What are you doing there? Okay, what it does is it does 1d6 piercing damage if it hits, and if the creature is large or smaller, you pull it up to 10 feet closer to you. Okay. So I'm yanking him towards me. 
Uh, five damage. You hear sort of a strangled kind of yelp come, and as you pull with the whip, you pull this creature into view. It's another one of these Kenku. And, um, you know, I mean, as you pull him, you kind of pull him out into the open area where you were, so you can all see him now. And as the whip loosens from his throat, you hear him in a voice that sounds eerily similar to Mikael's go, Hello. And then he's still got his bow in his hand, and he's going to try and take a shot at uh, Mikael. I need you to roll against AC. I like how this dude's are voice mimickers. So <laughs> that is a 12 versus AC. That's not going to So that's hit. not going to hit. That So it's going to just uh, fly past you. So next up in the order is actually Sibo. So you're going to need to roll a uh, saving throw it here. 20? It's 10 or, or 11 and up. You save 10 and down, you fail. And do you add anything to it? Nope. nope just straight up and down roll. Cool. I failed. You roll three of those, you're dead. Two more and you're dead! Mikael. I'm going to cast Lay on Hands, which is one action. Okay. And I am going to take from my five-point healing pool and heal Sibo for one health point. I feel like you did there. <laughs> saving them healing points. So you no, are... I could have used the whole backup. pool. And no, I know, but you're rest. saving them for later. I mean, no. I'm gonna. Need, I'm, I'm still gonna it's need to take like, a long rest. And one. <laughs> well, he's not gonna die. Now. I'm not gonna be able to move on unless I take a long rest. I'm just gonna point that out. Okay. Are you moving or are you just staying over there by Sibo? I'm just going to look up and observe this creature. All right. So next up is Joan. I should point out that after the thorn whip wrapped around his neck and pulled him in, he is not looking good. I'm going to shoot a fire bolt at him, which is a cantrip. That is 11. Well, that is not going to hit. So your fire bolt is going to fly past him and impact into a tree, uh, which, forth, which start, starts to burn Ramash a little bit. Ramash glares. Ramash is going to you. I'm going to knock your well, Ramash is up grass out. Actually. Okay, so um, I'm actually going to cast Produce Flame, which in the same turn I cast it, I can also attack with it. So, so you glare at me for setting a tree on fire, then cast uh, a that's fire a 22. That's going to happen. Except I can actually hit the guy. Cool. I had this whole cool thing in mind, and then I just... Oh, that's five damage. Okay. Yeah, you hit him with this flame, and he is knocked (laughs) over and overcome, and he is also dead. (laughs) All right, they're dead, so now what? How much experience do we get? Puppets are cutting their strings. 37 points of experience. Well, now we got a bush and a tree on fire, a almost dead boy, and... Hi-ho, hi-ho, here we go. Yeah, uh... Sibo took the brunt of these. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, I'm He's the only one who got hurt. Get good, son. Boy, Get I'm good. not fancy. And Sibo is going to pass out now. He's in a coma. So I guess uh, a long rest is in order. Yeah, I mean, it's nighttime. We can wait for morning to continue. You regain all lost hit points, so. After that encounter, you uh, decided to camp it out there, I suppose. Mm-hmm. So did you guys just, uh, with these enemies that attack you, just leave them where they lie, or what are you doing with I'm going to search, search them. Okay. I also going to search them. See if there's, there's any gold interesting on them or something. Okay. So as you search them, between the three of them, uh, you're able to recover 30 gold pieces. I don't know if you split that between the two of you or if you split it up between everybody. If you don't pick my pocket, I'll give you half. You got yourself a deal. Sounds good. So you don't find much else on them but other than this small amount of gold, except they all... Um, During the long rest, by the way, I disappeared into the forest to go hunting again. Came back. Okay. I meditated for four hours. And while you were out in the forest, you got eaten by a bear. Hunting was... <laughs> hunting was... <laughs> Sorry, everybody. Me, Kyle, is dead. <laughs> I know he was starting to be... with a whip. I know he was starting to become... Suddenly a there's, a, suddenly there's a rumbling now. in the forest. Back I am Dracarys Shockwind. <laughs> <laughs> he brings back the backs of... Alright. Jonas just, while that's all going on, setting up the campfire and then going to sleep. Did you Are you sure you sh- should be bush? handling fire? Just sat around the burning tree. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, the only other thing you find on them is they all bear this tattoo that's sort of on the inside of their forearm. And it looks like it's just a black circle. But upon very close inspection, there is actually a slightly lighter shade of black in the center uh, that's in the shape of a skull. Sibo, you actually recognize this. You've seen this symbol before. 
once before in a tavern. It was on the arm of a man who was dressed completely in black, who was listening to My Chemical Romance. And also wearing a slightly less black underneath. (laughs) (laughs) Who, after uh, sitting in the corner and consuming a couple of drinks, actually ended up leaving the bar suspiciously exactly three minutes before the mayor of the town, who was also there consuming a few drinks, killed over dead from a poisoning. And so you know this man to be a member of, so you can extrapolate these men as well, to be members of the Night Terror, who are a secretive group of assassins. They are not normally seen to the point that the other three of you don't know of this organization. And do I, I assume that Sibo... I Unless you have any reason that you would choose to not tell them, I don't think that that's something that you would want to keep to yourself. So you all know about Night Terror. And, and again, you know, at this point, you only know the name of the organization and that they're assassins. You don't really know anything else about them at this point. So as he's uh, kind of laying there and hearing Sibo relay this information, Joan then says, Well, this is a group of assassins. We could probably safely assume somebody sent them after us. That were encroaching on their territory. Or perhaps uh, they're working for this um, uh, sorcerer fella with the uh, silver ring we're looking for. I mean, that's what I was insinuating. Well, then why didn't you just say that? I did. But you, you were going around beating the bush with your flames. Well, uh, <laughs> and with that, he's just gonna <laughs> fall silent. Joe's got nothing. To <laughs> no get reaction. Back so, uh, other than Mikhail, who's out, better than beating the bush with your body. He says from thirty feet away <laughs> while he's hunting. Joe's out running through the wilderness. No, he isn't. He's sleeping. Or is it going to fall asleep? Okay, I also, by the way, <laughs> I have to say, I envision, like, Mikhail going out hunting and just, no. like, fucking, like, stripping down, like, no, no shirt, just wearing pants and running through the forest and animals. Just, <laughs> and, like, punches over the face. Please, can Hold that be canon? Please let that be canon. That's, that's why he's so calm the rest of the time, is because he punches animals <laughs> <laughs> That's how he gets it out. It's his alone time. <laughs> a new day dawns, and you guys have all, uh, you know, recovered your stuff, packed up. Is there anything else that you're wanting to do in this area, or are we moving along, heading north again? I'm good to go. Move along, move along, move along. Alright. The coconuts start to clang, and, uh... <laughs> time wasted can never be recovered. I suggest we carry on. Joan hands Sebo a pair of coconuts. <laughs> no, I do not want you to wear these as a bra. I want you to clang them along behind me as I gallop. So you all uh, head north for a couple of hours until you come to a river. This river is flowing uh, fairly quickly, and this is at this point, this is a pretty wide river. We're talking probably about 50 yards. This is like a big river. You're now at the banks of the river, and to continue north, you need to get across this river. So what are you going to do? Is it a fast-flowing river or a slow? Yeah, no, this is a pretty fast-flowing river. It would be ill-advised to just jump in and try to swim in. There's a, I mean, there's a lot of material around if you want to try and fashion a raft or build a... Does anyone have an axe? Smith, build a raft. I have a hammer you made. I mean, I've got a hammer. I don't need a hammer. I can't hammer a tree down. <laughs> Can I do a perception check? Sure. Could, uh, Sibo talk to, uh, Axel? Ask Axel to, uh, run down the bank of the river and see if there's any, uh, type yeah, of you can spot, you can civilizations or bridges. Okay, so my perception check's 20. Along the bank of the river, there is not really a lot. There's no clear branches or anything that you could use to kind of, like, build across. There is a little bit of 
fallen foliage and trees and whatnot that kind of are littered throughout the forest near where you are. So again, you could try to like recover those, but there's nothing like near this bank that you could necessarily just like use to get across. I mean, my other suggestion is if somebody's got a bow, shoot an arrow across with our rope and then kind of just like... Okay, so as you kind of, they're kind of trying to figure this out, Oxel actually comes back and after... Was it boy? Quickly talking to Sibo. Basically, he's gone quite a ways down the bank of the river, and there is no end in sight to this river. In that perception check, did I see good timber in the woods? Yes. There is I'm enough, fine with building a raft. There is enough timber that you could probably pull it out and make a good-sized raft to get across with. All right, let's do that. Or is anyone I'm amicable to that. Yeah. So you guys are going to start building a raft? Correct. I mean, okay, yeah. I guess. So you go out and, uh... You all have rope, right? Mm-hmm. Start pulling timber out of the wood. Who's hauling the timber and who's kind of in charge of construction? Not me. Smith <laughs> is in charge of construction. I appoint the smith. Isn't... He's craftier. So Joan is going to construct it. I'm so going to work with him because I can't really haul timber. I guess oh, yeah. I'll help haul timber. So, so, so Ramash and Mikhail are hauling the timber. So as you're as you're working on this, you've got your raft about halfway completed when Ramash is picking up a fairly large log near a tree when suddenly he is seized by this twiny sort of twig-like hand and lifts him up off the ground and when he's hanging about eight feet in the air, puts him towards a tree-like face which goes, are you the one that caught my forest on fire? No. He's standing right over there. I promise you as a druid, I would never burn a forest down. Who are you pointing at? I'm pointing way? straight at Joan. Okay. The fucker who so burned he the actually forest. So t- he actually takes you, keeps you in his hand, and this is indeed an ent, which strides towards Joan <laughs> and <laughs> scoops, him, scoops him up as well. And now it's holding both of you, one in each fist, and he goes, Someone is responsible for this! For what? You caught my forest on fire! Oh, yeah, that uh, was an accident. He is actually going to drop Ramash, and then with his free hand, he's going to, like, flick you in the side of the head. (laughs) Right. Ow. So you're going to take uh, one point of damage from that. Okay. (laughs) Would it help if I... Explain yourself! Well, we got attacked by some assassins, so we tried to stop them, and my attack just missed and hit a tree. Uh, Mr. Tree Guy, down here. He turns and looks yeah, around, that, that, and then looks way down, down here. <laughs> yeah. Um, hi, uh, yeah, so he messed up, but we were actually wondering, uh, is there anything we could do to appease you? I got, I got, um, uh, I don't, I don't really know what Ents need. Um, he actually bends down and gets really low and he's looking at you and suddenly his eyes open wide and you see sort of a wild look in them and he actually, with his free hand that's not holding Joan, actually just like swats you out of the way. Oh, damn. Go, you bear the sigil of the Golden God! You have no idea what they have done to me! How dare you enter my forest! Uh, I approach the Ent, since I am not wearing any emblem of the Golden Guard, and I ask the Ent, Sir, I do not bear this sigil that you speak of. I ask of you, is there any way that I could acquire your assistance in crossing this mighty river that you care for? First you must explain to me why your companions bear this Golden Guard, Mark! I know not what you mean by companions. We are adventurers on the same quest. The wearers of the Golden Guard come. They slash. They burn my forest. How dare you enter this land with that mark? Well, I just like shiny things. I'm sorry. Sir Ent, I will have the fellow priests of my temple protect your forest upon my return to Bahamut. But until then, I can only offer you a promise. Now, what can you do to aid me and my party? So he uh, he looks sort of reflective for a moment, and then he uh, he looks at you, Mikhail, and he says, I want you to remember, Ents have very long memories. Very long. I do not take this promise lightly. Noted. No promise offered by a high priest of Bahamut has been broken. 
And so he sort of uh, seems to consider your words for a moment, and then he looks to soften slightly, but he's still holding Joan in his hand several feet above the ground. And he says, Will you vouch for the members of your party as well? If only you do not hold the Golden Guard against me for their sake. Very well, very well. And so he lets Joan fall to the ground. How much damage did I take from uh, that several (laughs) feet of falling? Well, I didn't say I took any. Well, go ahead and uh, roll an athletics check for me real quick. 23. All right. Yeah, I think uh, think you're fine when you land. So he says, Allow me to explain myself. I am a member of the Leaf Coalition. We guard this forest against any attack, whether it be the Golden Guard or any other invading force. Any man who sets foot in our lands and is unwelcome is met harshly. However, because your companion has offered me these promises, I will allow you to move on as long as you explain your business to me. We seek to eradicate an ancient evil. Eventually, the end of our quest is the Lich of Ornan. I pursue a demon sorcerer that walks this land, a fire wizard by the name of Meliakalus. But at this time, I am bonded with this group so that we may find yet another clue. At the end of their quest, I will continue on mine. As for now, we seek to eradicate another lord who is also using an artifact to preserve his long life. Much similar to Meliocles. Well, Traveler, your words are well spoken, and I I believe you. I will help you on your quest, as long as you leave this forest as soon as possible. Without further ado, indeed. And uh, so with that, he actually begins to make a noise that, when you first hear it, it sounds like he's humming. But as you listen more intently and deeper, it almost sounds like a humming mixed with the rustle of leaves, sort of as a forest moves and the trees brush together. And as this sort of strange sound comes out of his mouth, uh, some of the trees near the edge of the bank actually bend themselves towards the water. And as you watch these trees, with no particular sort of show of this happening, almost at first you don't even realize what's happening, they begin to grow. And as they grow, they start to intertwine and move together in this sort of twisted fashion, until, after several minutes pass, the tops of the trees reach all the way over to the other bank of the river. And a sort of makeshift twisted wooden bridge is formed across this water. My companions, I will meet you on the other side. Go on ahead of me. Are you guys going to leave right away? Are you guys trying to bug out? Or are you going to hang out for a second? Um, Before I go over, I just say to the ant, Thank you, great ant, for your service. I will not forget this kindness. And then I just kind of so he, head he, towards He bows his head to you and you kind of take off. Well, I just have a couple words for the ant. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Ant, sir, down here again. Sorry about the uh, the sigil. Um, it's I actually love nature. Uh, I think I know a friend of yours. His name is Radash. Uh, he's also an ant. Um, met him in the the eastern parts of the forest. Uh, send good words. I hope. Okay. Bye. He does not say anything to you. He just watches this speech and then kind of gives you just a slight <clears throat> nod and you uh, you take off across the bridge. Joan takes off his hat, bows his head to the end and says, I do deeply apologize for the damage I've caused to your great force. My intent was not to destroy the life of the forest, but simply to eradicate the evil that was out to get us. As my life's goal, I seek to just eradicate evil. I feel I have no real way to uh, make it up to you, but I do not bear you nor the forest any ill will, and so I shall again apologize. Thank you for your service, and be on my way. Bows deeper, and then puts his hat back on and goes to cross the river. I honestly thought the Ent was going to throw us across. So, uh, Mikael, before... I thought he was going to carry us. That's what I thought. Like... Stride across the river. That'd been cool. So, Mikhail, before you uh, leave and go across the bridge... I, I have a question for you. Yes. Okay. Do you have any passenger pigeons or messengers in your forest, great ants, sir? 
I do not have any specific creatures in my employ. However, I can ask the trees to communicate your message. They will get it to the closest civilization where one of my brethren will be able to communicate it to one of our emissaries. I was going to ask if you would take these 500 gold pieces to the Temple of Bahamut to enlist the aid I had so promised before we even need return. What he's going to do is he holds out his hand, and uh, you, uh, I'm assuming, put the gold pieces into his hand. Yeah. And he, what he's going to do is he takes his hand and reaches his hand as far up into the sky as he can, and then brings it down and slams it into the ground. And as he does so, you see sort of a ripple go from the ground and head south. And as he withdraws his hand, you see there is no longer any money in his hand. And he says, The trees will carry your gold to its proper destination. With the message intended. Indeed, indeed. Now before you go, I have one more piece of advice for you. My real name is impronounceable by your folk. However, I am known by many to the name of Mossy. If you speak my name when you run into any of my brethren, as long as you are observing the respectful nature of the forest, they will help you. I am greatly indebted to you, Mossy. Adieu. He does a, a slight little bow to you as well as you walk away. And so you have now crossed the river as well, I assume. Mm -hmm. After you've crossed the river, he actually goes over and lays a hand on the trees that had stretched across the river, and they sort of retract themselves back in and go back to their normal state they were in. Uh, you are now across the river and heading north towards the Garden of Stone. As you start to approach the end of the forest here, you can see you're sort of up on a on a hillside, and you can see sort of before you there's a little bit of the forest left, and then the forest kind of tapers out. It goes very quickly from this wooded area into a drier area, and then kind of out past that, sort of on the edge of the horizon, you can see what looks sort of like a desert. There's almost nothing there. So you can see that you are coming to the end of this forest, and then sort of right at the edge of that barrier, you can see there's some stonework, kind of, I, should, I say stonework, like big kind of chunks of stone that are sort of laid kind of haphazardly around in the dirt, almost as far as you can see. So as you head down the hillside towards the desert area, uh, you have this sort of twig-like, plant-like material that sort of like peppers the trees all around you. And out of the trees, you see materialize this being that is not terribly tall. He's about four and a half feet that looks almost like he has been twisted out of old broken twigs. Does he say, I am Groot? <laughs> no, he does not say, I am Groot. Um, but no, he, com he comes out, and as he turns to face you, you recognize, um, I guess, again, Sibo would recognize this creature because of his time spent in this forest. This is a twig blight. He reaches back one of his hands and waves forward, and you see five other creatures that look just like him, but they're a lot shorter. They're only about two feet tall, and they come rushing at you. I yell out, do any of you know Mossy yet? Uh, actually, none of them respond to you. They just keep on with their attack. Trust me, Mossy, they're not beings you can reason with. Couldn't hurt. They're crazy. So with that, we're going to go with the initiative. Alright, what was your all's initiative? Ten. Ten. Eight. Eighteen. Fourteen. So, um, the bigger one that shot the needles at you, he is about twenty feet away, and the smaller ones are now about ten feet and closing. So, Ramash is going to kick us off here. Okay, I shoulder Sibo and Mikhail aside, take a deep breath, and use my breath weapon straight forward. It's got a width of 5 feet and a length of 30, so how many of these guys am I going to be striking? I think you can probably hit two of the people in the middle. Okay, and, the and then the one them, behind them. And then the one behind them will probably be hit. 
Okay, they all have to make a dexterity saving throw. It has to be a 13. Otherwise, they take full damage. If they okay. beat 13, they take half damage. 12. What is that one? 13. You have to roll against AC for the breath weapon, don't you? No, no. This is determined by my DC. Oh. And another 12. Wow, I threw two 12s. Talk okay. about being so close thir- to making it. So 13 ties, so the defender gets oh, it. One so takes one takes half damage, two take full damage, and it's 2d6. For six damage and six three damage. for the one. They don't have a weakness to fire, do they? They do have a weakness. Vulnerability to damage. Damage of that type is doubled against it. Okay. Ooh. So That's why six. I did it. I'm like, let's just burn these fuckers to the ground. So the uh, so two are taking twelve. One's taking six. The two smaller ones that you hit just like get evaporated in the flame, and the one in the back, he gets hit and he looks not great, but he is still up. I mean, he's smoldering a little bit at All this right. point. So next up is one of the twigs, and he is going to try to make a run at Mikael. Ten versus AC. That's not gonna Yeah, he's not able to do much. <laughs> he's he's just beating on your leg. <laughs> yeah, he comes over there and starts swinging, but he's not doing anything. <laughs> uh, next up is Sibo. So I'll pull out my bow okay. and aim for the guy in the back, the main guy that's smoldering. Twenty-three. Yeah, you're gonna hit him. Eight Shit. damage. Okay. He's going to get hit with this arrow, and sort of the center of him kind of breaks apart, and he falls down. Next up is another one of the little twigs. And that's also the one that's on the side by uh, Mikhail, so he's going to run to him as well. Also a 10, so that's not going to hit. So you now got two of them trying to take some swings at you there. Mikhail is up now, actually. He's going to pull out his hammer and go for the one who first... Took a strike at him, and he's gonna try to hit him in the head. That's an eight. Eight is not going to hit. So he, we'll just say he's too short. You missed him because you can't swing that low. I don't stoop. <laughs> yeah. He's too proud. He keeps his back straight at all times. So next up is Joan. Uh, the one that has not attacked anybody yet, as far as I can recall. Mm-hmm. I'm going to use. You know, I'm just gonna use Firebolt. Okay. Light, light this boy up. That is seven. Uh, seven is not going to hit. I guess you're going to miss him, and, uh... God, no! You're going to set another tree on fire there, <laughs> good old Joni boy. <laughs> so, anyways... God. Guys, I think that tree's another one. Uh, next up is the, uh, the twig that you actually just took a shot at. He's running towards you, Joan, but he's actually going to get intercepted by Ramash, because Ramash is kind of right in front of you. Wait, do I get an opportunity attack there or something? No, like, he's just, like, he's going to end up attacking you, because he was going for Joan, but he... They're not very bright, so his attention... They got, like, goldfish attention spans. And he critically (laughs) fails. So he just bounces off of your leg and falls. (laughs) (laughs) Ramash, you are next up. I'm going to take my scimitar and try to slice this little fucker in half. 14. That is going to hit. Okay, that's 6. Yeah, you uh, cleave this dude in half and he is dead. Next up is Sibo. Alright, well, I'll just throw both my daggers at one of the dudes. I don't care. 22. That's going to hit. Eleven. Why don't you just roll? Eleven. He's throwing two dice. Yeah. Or two dice. Oh. Okay. Uh, Sorry, I just I'm used to dealing damage before I do the second one. Throws doing the damage rolls. Eight. You hit this twig with that dagger and he is busted up. He dead. That's a tree on fire. So next up is the other twig that's over there, and he is gonna take one more attempt at a swing at Mikhail here. Five. <laughs> Not gonna hit. Uh, Mikhail's up next. I'm gonna try to swing at him again with a little hammer. That is, uh, 23. Yeah, that hits. Four. Yeah, he's dead. Alright, so. and, uh, I'm up next, right? I'm gonna use a firebolt, light another tree on fire. <laughs> Please tell me you're joking. <laughs> yes, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm curious. Yeah, no, you've, uh, you solved my tree puzzle. How much experience did we get? They call me Joan Redson, burner of trees. You get 43 <laughs> experience points. 
That was a lot of experience for a bunch of twigs. Well, there were a lot of them. So after having defeated these foes, you move on down, begin your walk down into the southern edge of the eastern wasteland. Hey, look. No more trees to burn. So littered all around you, as I said before, are these big, broken pieces of what clearly used to be great buildings. There are these large pieces of stonework that are sort of jumbled around in no particular order. Uh, like these buildings were broken down long ago. And as you move a little bit farther into the wasteland and come up over a rise, you see uh, arrayed before you the ruins of what was once the greatest city in the world. There is arrayed before you these various stone workings of different sizes. Some of them reach several stories tall. Others are literally just a single layer of stone laid across the ground. And this stretches on as far as you can see, and you have now reached the Garden of Stone. (laughs) 